Is gold back? It's playing peekaboo with the dollar. Solid week for gold. We'll talk about Bitcoin. Hit 60,000 at 58,000. We'll talk about it. Everything's still awesome for the most part in the markets. Copper's still rocking and rolling at 408. We're going to get into Coinbase, Reddit going public, Volkswagen. We'll talk the Atlanta shootings. We'll talk Biden staffers being suspended for, oh no, Nick, they smoke marijuana once upon a time. Naughty, naughty. We're going to children. They're going to kill their children. We're going to talk about the uranium squeeze that is in full force. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the witty, the intelligent, the world famous, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 109 of Bizarro World. It's a crazy time out there, Mr. Hodge. How are you? I'm feeling so much better with no uh, belt sander above my head. And uh, kudos to Tim, who does the audio on this, because he cleaned it up quite nicely last week. So... Um, much better week. Uh, we'll talk about the markets. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you very much for asking. Let's get right into the markets. Gold had itself an interesting week. We said last Friday that the trading action was interesting because it, it, it actually ended up higher on the day with the dollar and real rates still rising. And so here we have the 10-year still at 173 today, but gold managed to actually close at 1743. Um, it looked for a bit there like it could possibly dip back below the $1,700 level and stay. It turned around beautifully to close the week out. Silver, same thing, closed at 2619 after looking like possibly it was headed back you know, to the low 25. So Thoughts on that, Nick? I know you've been watching it all week. We've been watching it as we usually do. I know we chatted off air a bit earlier in the week, but uh, what are you thinking? I think it's still transitory, right? I think that um, we've got really no firm direction. It still wants to consolidate around that uh, 1700 mark. Good to see it move up. I think these are good signs for gold, right? That it um, wanted to perk up. Um, after it, it hit that support there that um, it's going up, like you say, uh, with rates. Those are uh, all good things. But the market, um, broader market, broader macro market, I think is still trying to uh, make up its mind. We had uh, the sell-off, what was that, three weeks ago now, two and a half weeks ago. Um, and we said that that was sort of, what did I call it, a chink in the armor. The, the bull had been wounded but was still running, I think I wrote. And so... Um, you mentioned copper still doing good and everyone knows that's the doctor. The VIX still says that, uh, the stock market's okay, but it doesn't have the, I'm talking about stocks now, S and P, um, it doesn't have the conviction of that bull market that we've seen, you know, like in the first, uh, two months of the year, right? It's not, um, it's having lower, uh, point days up. It's, it's happening on lower volume and I don't think. Uh, it's quite made up its mind yet. And I also think that it's a holiday, right? We're coming up mm. here on spring break. Uh, schools are going to be closed if they're open um, <laughs> and, and from, from April you know, 5th to, to whatever it's going to be. And so um, the typically lighter volume there. So I think that um, anyway, and like I was writing, a lot of heaven and hauling. No one knows what's going on, Gerardo. What was I saying yesterday? The meltdown's coming, but not yet. It's still a melt up until the meltdown starts. And so... Um, everyone, I think, is a little confused, but can sense that a, that a turn is coming. And, and uh, if I had to bet, I would bet that that turn means uh, higher for gold after the consolidation we've seen since record highs last August. 
I agree 100%. I don't think we have decisive price action yet, but I will say this, um, within the context of, you know, $1,750, $1,800 gold, we have a good week next week. There's several companies that you and I both follow that uh, we're excited to see results from. Chicana Copper is one. They're due for a news release. Um, I've been told that New Plaster Dome Gold and Nevada Sunrise Gold finally will have um, some numbers out of Kinsley Mountain. Anybody that's followed me for a while knows how much I like that project and the potential there, um, not only for an expansion of the current resource, but for new discoveries. So um, I think those stocks, if if they deliver with the drill bit, will have themselves a good week. We saw, you know, we talked about copper being at 408 this week. Well, man, Hannon had itself a week, right? It hit a high of 61 cents today, closing strong on good volume. Um Little by little, the market, the resource space is starting to turn. You, Mr. Hodge, have gone on a phenomenal run, not just recently, um, a multi-year run, but you're starting to see a lot of your non-resource related plays really pay off. You want to talk about some of those? You want to talk about recess a bit and and a couple of the other um, you know successes that subscribers have been able to enjoy? Oh, well, I, I, I guess if, if you're uh, asking me, I mean, um, you know, we financed a lot of companies over the year, resource and, and not resource, uh, some cannabis, a tiny bit of crypto. And then, you know, um, little oddball things here and there, little niche tech plays. Um, I had like a um, like an electronic ink play called Invisible that's uh, actually doing quite well. Those shares are up around a dollar thirty, a dollar forty. Now I haven't looked at them today, but uh, I can pull that up. And that's one that we were uh, financing around thirty cents. Yeah, it closed at a dollar forty today. So we financed that at thirty cents a couple of years ago. We had sixty cent warrants in that. Um, yeah, I've been joking with people lately that finally getting to uh, exercise <laughs> warrants. It's, uh, despite the success in the capital markets, the warrants have been hard to come by because um, anyway, you know they're they're priced strategically in the. Uh, Unless they're extended, which is sort of a, a, a lazy man's way out, they, they oftentimes fall off. But anyway, like you say, the market's improving, so we're starting to exercise warrants. So uh, Invisible Interactive, like I say, $0.30 cents to, um, it actually went over $2 earlier this year. And we had warrants in that at $0.60. Cents. So that's good work if you can get it. Um, Visibility is a company that I uh, helped finance privately uh, down around uh, $0.25. Cents. Uh, that's now a uh, dollar stock. Uh, we talked a little bit about Modelo Rama deal that they signed on this podcast uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, months ago. And uh, update on that is those are now being actually deployed. They're going through with that. And so uh, AB InBev is starting with 50,000 stores. Those things are going in, was announced, uh, I guess that was last week. Um, Let's so see if they stay in. <laughs> Let's see if they stay in. It'll be interesting. That's, that's <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good work. Um, that stock's now at, at 80 cents. And then Recess, you were talking about this sort of... Uh, what do they call this sector? Prop tech, property technology, like mm. uh, real estate, uh, fintech or whatever. Um, and yeah, I, it's like a Facebook for uh, real estate agents is what I call it. But um, then they try to monetize those agents by offering a platform where they can share um, leads and settle commissions and uh, sell houses off market, which is the way a lot of houses are sold now through um, realtors and their uh, networks because it's a uh, such a hot market. And so um, anyway, long story short, we financed that at, at 20 cents uh, a couple of years ago. And that was actually quite a deal 
uh, to be able to get on that financing because a lot of the money had been raised uh, previously at much higher prices, well north of a dollar, and some people paying, uh, I think, as high as four dollars a share. So um, it's been plodding along. It's done some decent deals. And sorry, I'm giving you a long answer, but um, it was able to buy a bunch of FDA tests, FDA approved tests for COVID um, last year and was selling the tests. And they were actually able to achieve uh, profitability on that. And then um, they announced a big deal with Keller Williams, which is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, realtor networks in the in the in the world. And they're. Keller Williams is, is recommending that their real estate agents pay to join Recess's uh, platform. And the, the premium platform is $99 a month. So that math gets really squirrely really mm. quickly. Um, and then the, the last sort of what set it up to over a dollar was um, this uh, gentleman from a company called EXP uh, World Holdings joined the board. And so EXP is uh, another uh prop tech company they call themselves a cloud-based brokerage and um so their vice chairman uh decided to join the board of recess and that's a pretty big deal because uh exp shares went from um below a dollar to ninety dollars and so like tens of thousand percent return and this gentleman only joins the boards of three companies at a time and has a, a pretty serious plan for uh, U.S. capital markets, et cetera. And so um, when people of that caliber, you know, he's like a uh, former bigwig at Cantor Fitzgerald and has uh, held a ton of uh, roles. His name is Randall Miles. Mm -hmm. Anyway, as soon as that um, news came out, shares went from, they've been slowly creeping up to 80, 85, 90 cents. They went to $1.50 very quickly and have pulled back a little bit. But anyway, those are uh, three non-resource deals that uh, we've definitely had big success with, for sure. And we also had 20 cent warrants in that. So uh, a rarity to get 20 cent shares with 20 cent warrants. But uh, it's all about the people and the connections you know you have, right? It's all about the people and the connections. It's absolutely a relationship business. A little common sense also helps. Um, and, and speaking of common sense, you know, we have to talk uranium squeeze for all the hashtag silver squeeze stuff that lasted a whole day. Um, there's been a squeeze in the uranium space and, and you know what, the, the, the juniors are responding beautifully, right? You have fission at 60 cents. You have sky Harbor today up 13% closing at 45 cents. You had UEC this week hit a 52 week high, uh, but three sixty seven. And so look, the equities, these are names that traded at, you know, a third of what they're trading at today. And so a large part of that is being influenced by the fact that a lot of these companies, Denison raised 75 million, UEC raised some money, and they're doing it to buy and establish a physical inventory of uranium. They're going to sit on the pounds. They're going to buy them cheap. They're going to wait for them to go higher because supply and demand fundamentals say it will. And then they're going to sell it into the market, which I think is again, it's common sense, but it's brilliant in its simplicity, right? It's forcing the hands of the, the the utilities that have yet to step off the sidelines. And, you know, we 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 both understand that them paying $60 or $100 or $30 a pound for uranium is very inconsequential to the bottom line for the utilities. But it makes a big difference for the companies that are sitting on some of it. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the move to start stacking uranium pounds. 
at the company level? I mean, I think that um, it's a pretty brilliant strategy because everyone, and I include myself and everyone, had come to the realization that this uh, bull market, um, which is a, a when, not an if, the when wasn't going to come until the utilities got off the sidelines. And they're seemingly content to uh, stay on the sidelines probably until uh, next year as they work through uh, secondary supplies and stockpiles and uh, upfueling or upcycling, et cetera, right? So, um, and we know the strategy has been good from a, an investment perspective. If you just go back to the last bull market and look at like Uranium Participation Corp, for example. Hmm. Um, and then over the past couple of months, and we've talked about this on the podcast, we've seen the equities start to move. Um, and in fact, started to say that, at least I wrote this once that they might be getting a bit ahead of themselves, given that the the spot price hadn't yet moved. And in fact, uh, the spot price in the past couple of months started to go the wrong direction, right? It was up around 30, started to go back down to 29 to, to 28. I, I don't know exactly how low it got uh, off the top of my head, but what you've seen, and you don't need me to tell you that the strategy is a good one. If you can just look at the spot price going back up closer to $30 a pound this week since these uh, deals were announced. I can't tell you what the utilities are going to do, of course, but, um, you, you know, we, we know that the market has liked the yellow cake story. And those were the sort of like the new Uranium Participation Corp. Uh, we knew that. Um, the market liked the, the URC, the Uranium Royalty Corp story, which had um, let's call it a tangential relationship to the physical uranium story with its own relationship with with yellow cake. And then, uh, as you say, UEC this this week announcing that they're going to and Denison, you know, raising money and 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 and, and buying uh, pounds to store is a good strategy. So, um I mean, you said it. You said it pretty well. I don't know when the utilities are going to uh, get off the sideline, but uh, the market um, appreciates this strategy. And I also think that um, uranium has done well as a sector to position itself more as a clean metal of late. And I think that uh, is also going to be important here going forward. Let's talk clean metals. Volkswagen decided to pull the plug on its South Korean battery maker uh, deal that it had. Uh, a big, big deal in the critical metal space. And so it basically told, I'm talking about Volkswagen now, it's South Korean battery suppliers that their current technology would be excluded for the most part um, from future production. And, you know, if, 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 you, you, if you're keeping track, everybody's announcing um, aggressive plans to expand the electric vehicle fleet. Volkswagen, no exception. But even, um, even, even these battery suppliers said it came as a shock that you know Volkswagen has kind of decided that they're going to go at this um, with a different battery technology. And so I know that you wanted to chat a bit about that. I'd love to hear your take on it. I have a company that I believe will benefit tremendously from this news. And I'll share that here a bit later on in one of my favorite Critical Metals juniors. But um, They have a deal with Northvolt by chance? Uh, check. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, look, look, the bottom line is um, this isn't slowing down. This is a trend that if if you play it right with real companies that are actually doing real work, you're going to do very, very, very well. And um, yeah, interesting week in the space. I'd love to hear 
Your thoughts, Mr. Hodge? Well, the take is this. I fucking told you so. It's not hard. <laughs> it's not easy to make batteries, is it? Common so, sense again, right? I, not so I mean, common. You know, everyone loved the Tesla and still loves the Tesla. And I'm not going to knock Tesla at all. I think it's phenomenal. It's good for uh, investing. It's good for batteries. It's good for EV adoption. Uh, but... Um, as we've seen with Tesla itself, and I'm, I can, you know, going back, what, four or five years here where Elon Musk was talking a big game about sourcing his lithium from North America. And, and I was sitting there saying, like, nope, that's not going to happen. Right. And then sure enough, he's got to source it somewhere else. And these are things we've talked about in this podcast. Um, and then it, we talk about other things like how people are going to eventually want to see the entire life cycle of the car. Right. Like on the sticker on the window. Um, it, now you have, you know, MPG statistics and all the trim packages, et cetera. But soon it's going to be like, you know, what type of battery is this? Like you were just saying, is it a prismatic cell or is it a pouch cell? Was the uh, cobalt mine in the DRC or did the cobalt come from Canada or, or, or Idaho? Right. And so that's all going to be on there, like life cycle chain. And you're starting to see uh, the building blocks of that put in place and the reasons that that is going to be. Uh, the way of the future. And that's when when you say the common sense plays are the companies that have uh, access to the future supply in, in stable jurisdictions, right? Um, and so a couple of months ago, we talked about when the U.S. had to cancel the deal with the same company that Volkswagen just told to go pound sand, right? Yeah, the, yep. Uh, the, the South Korean battery manufacturer. And, and that's one of the reasons that Volkswagen did this this week is they had a bad taste in their mouth from uh, them not being able to get their batteries because it was Ford and Volkswagen plants in the U.S. that were affected uh, by that, if you remember that story. And so um, here you have Volkswagen saying, look, now nah, we're not going to use these pouch cells from South Korea. We're going to do prismatic cells uh, and we're going to start building our own gigafactories here in uh, Europe and 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 that's just the way that this uh, thing is going to evolve, right? If you love Tesla, you're gonna love uh, the company that you'll talk about later, and these other companies that have um, access to traceable sources of uh, lithium and cobalt and nickel and, and manganese and the things that we've said a million times now, but. Uh, the rest of the world is now starting to catch up to that reality that you can't just say, oh, we're going to manufacture all cars electric by 2030. Um, well, that's great. But um, where are you going to get the raw materials from? So <laughs> the simple uh, questions, here you, right? Here we go. Yeah, I know the simple question. Where are you going to get it from? I mean, it really comes down to 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 that. And so, you know, again, if you can find companies that that are involved, that are actually doing real work. Um, there's a way to monetize this. I think it's why the future for copper seems so bright and, and copper gold plays are going to be exceedingly in demand. And so, you know, I'll give you a freebie. Leading edge materials is in the midst of finalizing um, economic studies on its Waxna graphite project in Sweden and simultaneously also doing a study on the Nora Shar heavy rare earth deposit also in Sweden. Both of these projects are quality projects that should be able, should be able to be either joint ventured with a bigger player um, or, or, or brought to development. You know, one of the largest shareholders, and there's a couple of billionaires um, that, 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 that are large shareholders, but you know, Mr. Kraft, the largest shareholder um, 
he didn't get behind this a year and a half or two ago just to see it be a 35, 40 cent company or, you know, a company with 40, 50 million dollar market cap. This is something of 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 regional pride for him is how I've understood um, the, the, the project. It's a passion project for him. It's something that he feels can contribute to mining in Sweden and the critical metal space. And so. Look, I think Leading Edge Materials is one of the few companies that, though it's up in the past few months, has not taken off the way some of its peers have. And I think it's a heck of an opportunity if you like lithium, if you like rare earths, if you like graphite, and specifically the battery-grade stuff that they're looking to produce. So there you go. Free podcast, free uh, tidbit. Go do your own due diligence. You'll get your money's worth. I guarantee it. Love it. We've been talking about uh, Leading Edge for a while, and I, I mentioned Northvolt because I know uh, Leading Edge was working with Northvolt, and that's Northvolt, and that's one of the companies that Volkswagen will be working with to uh, build its uh, battery gigafactories, right? And so that's what I mean by that supply chain, right? So maybe um, in 2030, once Volkswagen sorts out its battery <laughs> supply chain issues, and you're buying a nice new all-electric, um, uh, what's it going to be? Let's say you're buying a Tiguan. Um, you know, on the window there might say uh, graphite and or lithium sourced from cleanly sourced from uh, Sweden. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, did you see the little spat between uh, Joe Biden and uh, Vladimir? Well, no, uh, I saw some uh, right wing <laughs> things calling uh, Biden a cuck. But you know how that goes. <laughs> That's always an interesting insult to me. Like, do you think do you think the people that do that like have been caught on the wrong side of that one and just that like had an unpleasant experience and they're like, ah, oh, you cuck. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Liberty University made the basketball tournament. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyhow, I bet they did. <laughs> So in a Tuesday interview with ABC, President Biden said, I do, in response to a question which asked him if he thought the Russian president was a killer. And so Vladimir decided to retort by saying, it takes one to know one. <laughs> what I did like, jokes aside, and I've talked about this before when uh, Mr. Trump was our president. Um uh, I, I never liked um, the fact that Russia went, at least in the public space, unpunished for the hits that were, were yes. put on our troops. Um, I, that, that has never sat well with me. Um, if, if, if there was retribu retribution, excuse me, behind the scenes, um, it wasn't publicized and there just wasn't anything of a push publicly. Um, to 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 get payback, you know, and so I do like Biden's stance. I do hope that there is uh, some action that's followed by uh, the statements. And you know, it's not just um, it's not just that. If you believe, you know, the media, if you believe the CIA reports, um, Russia also, you know, interfered with the election. And so uh, a lot there. It'll be interesting to see how that relationship um, continues on. And it'll be interesting to see Biden's approach to China. You know, I was complimentary of Mr. Trump 
in his direct approach with China, because I think for decades on end, they've been eating our lunch when it comes to um, IP, right? As it relates to technology. And the bottom line is with their rare earth dominance, they were reverse engineering everything that was being produced out there and keeping it for themselves and monetizing it, right? And and, and basically counterfeiting all of all of the technology that that they wanted to. And so I think this is why you're seeing such a rush to establish these in, independent domestic critical metals supply chains because finally it started to click back to the common sense theme um, in, 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 in these politicians' brains that this isn't sustainable, especially at a time where China is looking to increase its dominance in every aspect of our global society, whether it's economically, whether it's... Um, you know, development, infrastructure, you name it, um, they're, 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 they're something to deal with. And so hopefully the approach is a prudent one. Um, we'll see. Thoughts there, Nick? Just that China is a much more serious threat than uh, Russia or North Korea, which was also in the news this week. And I think that's, um, I don't even know where I saw him get called limp-wristed or a cuck or whatever. It was a, the trifecta, though. And <laughs> it was uh, China, I guess North Korea wouldn't take the call and whatever happened with Putin. And uh, really, I don't care about the the uh, Russia. I mean, as a threat to, right. to you know, economic uh, prowess for the U.S. and clearly militaristically. Uh, what they've done is horrible. But when I see things in the news uh, uh, about Russia or North Korea, I don't pay them as much mind as I do China because I view China as a, a much more serious threat for this uh, new century when it comes to everything that you just said. I mean, the size of their population, uh, the ferocity with which they're um, ascending technologically uh, and with their uh, military technology etc. And so anyway, um, that's not really an answer. But uh, the China stuff is much more serious, I think, than, than Russia or North Korea. And that's just uh, how I frame it for myself. Agreed. Very consequential and definitely something to watch. Um, sad week. You know, it's um, you know that slowly but surely things are opening back up again because we're starting to hear about mass shootings again. Right. There was actually one a week and a half ago that I meant to talk about. Um, and, and frankly, I was, I was, I was a bit beat up about it. It was just, it had been a bit since we, um, had had a mass shooting, um, in the public domain. And that one, a week and a half ago, I, I, I didn't bring it up cause I didn't want to bring a sour note to the podcast, but you know, what happened in Atlanta this week? Um, I think we, you know, I, I, I think we have to talk about it, right? Eight victims were shot at three massage par- parlors in Georgia, um, mostly women of Asian descent. And so, you know, the way it was handled, we've talked about the two tiers of justice in this country. Um, the way it was handled, I think, was really indicative of how law enforcement um, is selective in its approach to arresting suspects. Um, they arrested this young man um, without a fight without a shot being fired. Um, He wasn't beat up. I'm not saying he should have. I'm saying it's clear to me, it's clear to me that the police are able and capable of making arrests without necessarily having to kill someone or shoot them every single time. In this case, Robert Aaron Long is the shooter, 21 years old. Um, 
He tried justifying the shooting, saying he had a sex addiction, um, which didn't make much sense to me. The Georgia sheriff downplayed, in my opinion, the severity of the atrocity that this young man committed by saying, it's clear that Mr. Long had a bad day. <laughs> I was like, what the what? fuck? said, it's clear he had a, Mr. Long had a bad day. And unfortunately, this is what happened, is what he said. Jesus. Dude, I, I don't know the particulars at, at, at all. I clearly know that it happened. I don't know how premeditated it was. I haven't heard anything about uh, a motive or anything like that. And so I'm not going to talk about it a lot. But do you have any color to offer on that? Yeah, you know, he frequented a, a, a Atlanta spas. They know that. They know that the, the day before he had been kicked out of his parents' house, he went to a gun store. He b legally purchased a weapon, a handgun, and apparently went into three separate spas, um, two of which they have confirmed he had fre frequented in the past, um, and just walked in and started shooting. And so... Um, you know they're trying to they're trying to, to 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 get to the bottom of a motive they don't know you know obviously it appears to be racially motivated um six of the eight people that were killed were women of asian descent the other two happen to be there and so um just tough stuff man i i i i ah yeah 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 a lot to digest there um there was an attack on a grandmother, an elderly Asian grandmother, um, a few days after in San Francisco by, you know, what appeared to be a man in his late 40s, early 50s. Um, this grandmother, you know, is, 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 is in such fear of being attacked just because she's Asian that she had started to carry a bat around her. And so I don't know if you saw that story, but, you know, she basically got beat up, but was able to fight back with her bat and, 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 basically whooped this guy's ass, you know, until the medics and the cops showed up. But, you know, I mean, if you, if you see the video, it's just hard to watch. She's got this big, huge black eye and it's not on her head. And I just can't see how any man could go up to any woman, um, you know, let alone an elderly grandmother and think that that's okay or that that is an adequate response to anything. And so, ah, uh, I don't know. I don't really have words. Uh, you know, be kind to each other, people. If, if 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 you need help for whatever, whether it's a sex addiction, your racism, um, you still believe Trump should be in office, you believe Biden's the devil, whatever it is, man, just um, reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody. And um, we got to do a better job as a society in dealing with mental health issues in this country. And, you know, I'm not I'm not taking the accountability away from this guy that went and took, you know, eight innocent people's lives. Uh, I'm just saying that as a society, we have to do a better job. We have to do a better job of looking out for each other because I, it's hard for me to believe that this, a lot of this stuff isn't avoidable. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen with the prevalence that it happens here in the U S and it's not just because of guns. Right. Um, yeah. Thoughts in it. No, not a lot of thoughts. A um, lot of mental health in this country. A lot of folks on uh, medication for it. Uh, unfortunately, it's been stigmatized in a, a way that leads to uh, not enough people seeking treatment or people not seeking treatment early enough. Um, 
lot of guns in this country. I was uh, at a sportsman's store last weekend that that sold guns, and they had a wall of pistols. There's probably, I don't know if I had to guess, 30, 40, 50 pistols on the wall. And my buddy was looking at fishing gear, so I was just shooting the shit with the salesman. And he said that in the past 12 months, they sold uh, four times as uh, they sold as many guns in the past 12 months as they sold in the past four years. And um, that that wall of pistols that had 40 or 50 on it, uh, they started the, the year 2021 with three months ago with over 300 on the wall. And so uh, a lot of guns being sold. That's one store here in Spokane. So uh, a lot of guns out there. And, you know, uh, I'm a, a, a Second Amendment advocate and so as, a, um, like as I am said, i yeah i hadn't read a lot about this case for some reason i want to start talking about incels because it seems to me if i yep. if i had to guess and, yep. and i use my gut which would probably be stupid but i'm going to do it anyway it was more about uh sex and intimacy than about race if i had to guess but anyway that's just me being dumb no i i i think there's likely to be something to that um we've seen it you know, in the past. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no room for that. No room for any of that. Um, anyhow, let's, uh, let's switch gears a bit. The Biden. And sorry, I guess yeah. there was one more comment I, sure. I, I would have added there. And I don't know why it's coming back to me now, but is that, um, you say it's a sign that things are opening back up, but I think that, you know, there's a compounding effect on the mental health that we've mm. yet to see the full effect of, uh, from the, the virus and the world being in a pandemic and, and, and just all of that. Right. And so um, we'll see what the effects of that are. We already know about the increase in uh, domestic violence, uh, et cetera. And we're starting to see some of the, uh, we know people are now more anxious and more stressed out. We've been seeing those stories. And so anyway, the pandemic is more than just uh, 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 the virus. Agreed. Agreed. And I think, you know, a lot of the side effects, um, a lot of the consequences from being shut down for as long as we have been. That's what I mean. Yeah, we won't know. We won't know for, for, for months and maybe years, right? The psychological toll that it took on a lot of people, not, you know, to, to, to say anything of the economic toll, obviously, right? But um, a lot, a lot there, a lot to keep an eye on. Again, all the more reason why it is so critical, so important. Um to just be good to each other, man, and, and and try to reach out. And especially if you're in a position of privilege, and I'm not talking just wealth or money. I'm talking about, you know, having a good relationship, having, you know, a, a life that you find fulfilling. If, if you're fortunate enough, like I'm fortunate enough to enjoy that, um, that's a privilege. You try to spread that a little bit. Try to look out for people. You know, it's, um, I think it's the very least as humans that we could do and, 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 we got to get better at it. Yep. Um, let's get into um, Joe Biden. Last week, we uh, talked about Mr. Rickett saying, you know, your kids are going to die if you let them smoke marijuana. You're going to kill them. They're dead. They're out of here, right? Um, and this week, we find out that the Biden administration has suspended dozens of young White House staffers or they've been asked to resign or placed in a remote work program due to past marijuana use. Siberia? <laughs> Washington, Siberia, apparently. Um, 
And so, you know, the staffers, rightfully so, are pissed because initially the Biden administration allegedly, according to the staffers, said that recreational use of cannabis would not be a disqualifying factor, um, according to three people familiar with the situation, according to this article. And so um, it affected staffers where marijuana is actually legal, which again, who in the fuck are you, Mr. Biden and chief of staff person to decide what is moral and immoral? If it's legal. And so I, I have a problem with this. I have a serious problem with this because where, where do we draw the line, right, Nick? I mean, you know, is, 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 is that third glass of wine the one that's going to get me disqualified as a staffer? Um, is, is it the third vodka soda? Is it, um, you know, is it the length of my shirt? Is it your OnlyFans account? Is it? I don't have an OnlyFans account, but <laughs> if I did, is it, would it be my OnlyFans account? Um yeah, no. Uh, again, not um, not very encouraging, Uncle Joe. I think um, I I don't think this is a good look for the administration. Obviously, there are much more serious issues um, on the agenda for 2021. But yeah, this is interesting to me in a sense because I want to see if it's the last of it or if this becomes. A hallmark of the administration, being paranoid, being the moral police, and how that affects the quality of personnel that it's able to recruit, right? Did the staffers say that they smoked marijuana or they were tested? How did that come about? Um, it, that part is not clear. What is clear is that many of the staffers that were asked to resign or suspended were asked, were asked if they had smoked marijuana in the past. And even that was enough. Or some of those staffers to be suspended or be asked to resign. Interesting. And so it's not even in, in many cases, according to the staffers, it's not even current marijuana use that the administration didn't like. It's past marijuana use. And look, if you've been around D.C. or kind of know how it works, um, it's nothing but 20 year olds that write all the bills and do all the legwork. Right. And then you have literally an old figurehead. Um, that takes the credit for all of it and signs the law, si signs the bill. It's how it works. And so, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that this is a prudent move by the administration, especially, again, considering that in D.C. marijuana is legal. Well, and considering that um, he said it wasn't going to be a disqualifier um, and considering that, um, you know, it's widely expected and he's intimated as much that um, or at least, you know, the Democratic leadership has said that they want to make the legalization a priority uh, this year. And so it's definitely hypocritical. But uh, just a couple of things on the on the cannabis market. You had the uh, Security and Fair Enforcement Banking Act was uh, reintroduced into the House of Representatives this week. Uh, that would allow banks to, to handle the money in states where uh, cannabis is legal. And then you had the uh, Wine and Spirits Wholesalers of America. You talk about how a bill becomes a law. Well, before the 20-year-olds write the law, the lobbyists tell them what's going to be written, and then they write the law, and then they give it to the to the gray hair to sign. And so uh, the lobbyists, in this case, the Wine and Spirits Wholesalers of America, put out their guidance on uh, how the, that law should be written, right? The, the important, it, they put out a press release that said, 
uh, principles of safe, smart, and responsible federal regulation of adult use cannabis. And so uh, this is the, the obviously alcoholic beverage lobby, which is a, a big group saying, um, you know, they're ready now for this to become legal uh, because they've now got their pound of flesh, right? With AB and Bev and uh, Molson Coors and Constellation now having taken stakes in, in large cannabis companies. Um, so they're not going to miss out. So now it's time to, to make it federally legal. And anyway, with all this stuff, with the recent elections, uh, lots of states it went legal, medical or recreational in the, in the past election, New Jersey just uh, coming on here in, in, in recent months. Um, anyway, it's um, it's old. It's old hat. It's old hand. It's old wall. And um, it's hypocritical. Hypocritical. Indeed. Coinbase and Reddit are going public, Nick. They sure are. They sure are, Gerardo. And so um, not sure what I wanted to talk about other than um, there's a lot of speculative assets out there, right? And well, let's take Coinbase first. Um, you know, you wanted to buy Bitcoin before you had to well, buy Bitcoin, right? So you had to open up a wallet um, somewhere, probably Coinbase. Um or you had to find some other way to buy a company that uh, owned Bitcoin because we've got no ETFs approved by the SEC yet, which I think will likely change soon. Uh, but there was no like ETF to go out there and, and buy Bitcoin. And so you had to start buying that uh, Mass Roots company, the mm -hmm. MSTR, uh, which had bought billions of dollars uh, in Bitcoin. Or you were looking at some OTC or Canadian listed uh, miner, right? Um, or a, an iced tea company that changed themselves into a blockchain company. And so now um, it's like all this stuff is coming uh, full circle, right? So now next week, uh, Coinbase is going to IPO 68. Uh, what was the number? 68 billion. Uh, no, is that right? <laughs> I gotta look it up, Jerome. No, Sorry, it is twenty twenty one. Sixty eight billion. It's sixty eight billion dollar valuation. So, oh goodness gracious! And so now uh, you can buy uh, a Bitcoin at, at, like you said at the start of the show, fifty seven, sixty thousand dollars. You can get access to, um, right, like the uh, brokerage or the exchange. This would be like owning BlackRock, right, for the rest of the market, or owning like Exxon for oil. Now you can just own like the thing where all the Bitcoins are, it's like picks and shovels, right? It's like owning Sprout for gold mining, for example. Uh, and so I think you're going to see a lot of fanfare around this in the next week. And the same thing with Reddit, right? Thinking back over the past couple of months, um, you have all these, you know, the Redditors, the AMC, uh, right? The GameStop and then the, the Silver Squeeze, of course. But why, Gerardo, do we need... Uh, uh, Wall Street bets to tell us what to buy. I mean, we can just IPO Reddit and we'll just own the whole fucking thing. And so here comes Reddit hiring its, uh, you know, uh, first sort of chief financial officer. They haven't filed anything yet, but they're taking what would be the natural steps toward uh, an IPO. And so um, I didn't really have an explicit point I wanted to make. But when I think about end games and when I think about end of bubbles and when I think about uh, the snake eating its head and when I think about honestly just um, you know not allegories but 
things that have symbolism. I think Coinbase going public and Reddit taking the steps to go public are, uh, if, if nothing else, uh, further uh, indications of the bubble that we're currently in. Bubbles can last a lot longer than Harry Dent can stay solvent. Well, um, that anyone can stay solvent. That's the whole thing, right? <laughs> I think there's a lot of bubble left, Nick. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, yeah, I think people will buy this Coinbase IPO. I think that we talked about it last week, $1,400 checks on the way if they haven't hit already. You got an extra month to pay your taxes now. Um, not likely that if you got a check, you're paying taxes anyway. But uh, you know what I mean. There's a lot of leniency out there. There's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of froth out there. So I, I agree with you. And we had Jerome this week who we don't even talk about anymore because we know what he's <laughs> Because, again, say. it's so predictable. Uh, it's not news. He's not thinking about thinking about raising rates or, you know, pulling money. And, again, it's not up to him. The market will force him to raise rates in due time. But – yeah, we, 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 we know exactly what's going to come out of his mouth every single time he speaks, right? Exactly. And so, like you say, um, uh, it could go on for for uh, longer. That's why I'm interested to see, like we started this podcast with, how the next couple of weeks shake up once the volume comes back. In the very, month. very, very interesting close to the month, I predict, Nick. I would have to agree. You want to tell us about the Space Telescope before we get on out of here? Oh, God, I had a lot of topics this week. <laughs> yes, but I'll make it quick because I, I, I want to write about it. You're earning uh, your witty so, and insightful and world-famous moniker today, Nick. You know the Hubble, of, of course. course. Um, well, we're getting a new one now. It's The Hubble is old news. We're getting the James Webb Space Telescope, right? Um, and this thing is uh, worth a cool $10 billion. And it's got gold, which is really what caught my eye about this story. It's got gold-coated mirrors, lots of them. That's why it's worth $10 billion. Gold's expensive. A little bit. Florida. And so um, they got to get this thing to, I believe it's South America. It's been a couple of days since I read the story. Yeah, uh, uh, French Guiana. And so, um, but it's like in the Northern Hemisphere now. And they got to get it to the southern hemisphere, but it's a $10 billion thing. And so they're worried about pirates. <laughs> of course we are. Because it <laughs> it's 2021. So and of course, when we... They're worried, they're worried about seafaring pirates stealing the gold-coated mirrors and the $10 billion telescope. And so there is a super secret plan to like, Lock down the Panama Canal to get this $10 billion telescope through. And anyway, I just thought that was super interesting. So um, hopefully pirates don't get our new space Come telescope. on, pirates. Although, again, like you always say, the writers in 2021, um, you know, they're, they're not resting. They have been a busy bunch. And um, wow, it's only March, Nick. It's only March. Um, excited for your weekend? I am getting excited. I got a little brunch date with uh, my wife. And of course, it's the first day of spring. So everyone's looking forward to that. Transformational times. Change is in the air. Vaccinations are being administered at record rates, record pace. Um, and look, you know, I think uh, we're getting to a point where hopefully in the next couple of months, if you want a vaccine, you can have one. If you don't, 
You can choose not to, but I am really looking forward to the part of this story where everybody actually has a choice, right? And whatever choice you make, completely up to you. Um, No shaming either way, but yeah, it's been a year in the making and, and it feels like things are slowly turning, right? I'll bless your choice. I like it. I like it. Like, uh, like Pope Francis. Exactly. I'll leave that there. (laughs) That's all I got this week, Nick. Anything else? I love it. it. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 109 of Bizarro World. Go be kind to each other, guys and gals. Don't steal any space telescopes. See ya. Amen.